Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I'm Morning in America's Nick Smith, and I'm so happy you're joining me for this edition of In the Mix. Here at News Nation, we cover a lot of news, but there are always a few stories that land on my heart. Here is where I share those with you, as well as extra content that didn't make the cut during Morning in America. Welcome to In the Mix with Nick Smith. Hello, hello, hello. What are you doing? To avoid this extreme heat that we all seem to be under. Hopefully, listening to, you know, in the mix, in a nice cool location where there's plenty of air conditioning and lots of water. Stay hydrated. You know, I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to me and the stories that I share in the mix for this podcast because I know that you have several places that you could go or several different things that you could be doing. So the choice to make me part of your listening entertainment is one that I do not take lightly. So I do try to think about the stories that I want to share for in the mix each week. And again, if you have an idea or suggestion, do not hesitate to drop me an email. But some of the things that I want to talk about this week are stories that I found of particular importance because uh, they're worth revisiting. And, you know, everyone has been thinking about um, summer and summer vacations. And I think that that immediately brings to mind how so many people choose places like Hawaii to to visit. And of course, because of the recent wildfires, uh, so much happening there uh, is top of mind. And it raised a question for me because um, I've heard some people say, oh, my God, we've got to go to Hawaii because uh, Hawaii is a state dependent on tourism dollars. And if not now, when? When we know that uh, Hawaii is uh, dealing with uh, trying to find ways to recover and get people back into shelters and employment and, and businesses survive. But at the same time, one of the conversations uh, I had with a uh, political leader uh, was clear. They do not want people coming to Hawaii uh, because they made it clear that any available space is being used for those who have been displaced because of the wildfires. And I just found it interesting, and uh, it was one of the conversations that I had with uh, Hawaii State Representative Masamoto, um, and she told me, you know, Nick, there has to be a balance, um, and that balance requires uh, sensitivity to the issue. 
uh, this is how I wanted to lead things because as you think about the summer, as you think about vacationing, we have to remember that there are some who um, are still dealing with recovery and the tragedy of the wildfires. So uh, this was the story that I did and um, uh, take a listen. Welcome back. Turning now to Hawaii, where just 13 victims of the wildfires have been identified and their families notified. Another 22 have been identified, but their families have not either been told or can't be located. Joining me now is Hawaii State Representative and House Minority Leader, Lauren Masamoto. Ms. Masamoto, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I know this is a difficult time for not only you, but everyone in the state. You've been very critical of President Biden and the federal response to the disaster. After hearing what the president had to say during his visit to the island yesterday, was he able to ameliorate any of those concerns or do you still have the same issues? I was happy to finally see President Biden come to Hawaii just to see the destruction firsthand. A lot of the frustration from the people in Hawaii has been the time. It's been two weeks already, but also the amount of funding that has been given. It's only $700 per family. But I think one of my main messages right now is that we need to work together with our local, our state, and our federal governments and really just focus on the people in Maui and helping the residents there. Because now is really not the time for the blame game. We need to just really focus on helping the families in Maui. And we've also heard that it's important that the citizens of Hawaii are the ones who take the lead. Explain that for us. Especially when you're dealing with a place like Hawaii, a lot of the cultural issues are really important and making sure that as, you know, the federal aid comes in, that we're really rebuilding Hawaii in the way that the residents and the people of Hawaii feel that is best to move forward. And so I think that's something that really needs to be at the forefront as we move with this recovery process. Uh, how is the state legislator uh, right now helping uh, the survivors? In many different ways, as soon as the the story came out and we've heard what happened in Maui, the Senate from the Maui representatives from the Senate put together a, a drive for donations. And it, it was truly remarkable. I mean, if we're talking about the Aloha spirit, that's where we truly saw it. There was a line 30 minutes to an hour long for days to bring donations to the Capitol. I was just there yesterday, two weeks later, and there are still donations coming in. And so that was the first thing. But from the Republican caucus, we've reached out to the House Speaker. You know, now is not a time to have uh, politics come into play. And so the House Speaker and I have been working together on how we're going to move forward, whether that is a special session in order to put together an investigative committee to see what's happened, to see if there's any more that we can do for the relief efforts. And so now it's really a time for that collaboration to help the people in Maui. And I, like so many others, Ms. Masamoto, have been on social media looking at different people talking about the things that are needed, everything from solar power generators to, I heard Oprah talk about Haynes donating underwear. Uh, but it's also been clear uh, from everyone that I've been following that the Hawaii Tourism Authority says tourists should not come uh, to the island uh, until uh, they're able to finish their cleanup or recovery efforts. And businesses on the island say uh, that their livelihood depends on tourism. Uh, where is the line there and what do you want people here uh, like myself to know? I think one of the things that is important to note is that we are islands. And so a lot of people are canceling their, their trips to Oahu, for example. 
Um, and so our, we're seeing a decline in our economy, and that's going to be hurting us in our recovery efforts. But if you are traveling to Maui, making sure that you are staying in the areas that are not affected by the wildfires. You know, we do not want anybody going near Lahaina, but that's not to say that people cannot go to Waialea or Wailuku for their vacation. So it's a really fine line because we can't have our economy take tank, but understanding the grief and the sorrow that people are going through in Maui, and that needs to be respected as well. Support with sensitivity. Absolutely. Hawaii House Minority Leader Lauren Matsumoto, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And know that here at News Nation, you definitely have our support, and we will continue to follow this story. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. If you would like to donate to help the victims of this disaster, there's information on our website at newsnationnow.com help. And if you're looking for a loved one in Hawaii or on the island looking for a shelter, here's the number for the Red Cross hotline, 1-800-733-2767. So what we know right now is that the wildfires in Lahaina have claimed more than 110 lives. Um, that number continues to grow as authorities continue the recovery process with uh, search and cadaver dogs. Um, and Hawaii does remain mostly open for tourism, uh, despite uh, the misgivings, um, as you heard her talk about by both residents and tourists. But just be respectful um, if you do choose to go to Hawaii, because they really could use our support. Another th story that I thought was just wow. Um, you know, the RSV virus, okay, respiratory essential virus. Um, the virus can be really difficult for those who are super young or those who are older um, and may have a, a compromised respiratory system. Now, RSV is the leading cause of hospitalization for infants. Uh, now, for most kids, the virus can cause like a mild cold or something like that. And so uh, the medical expert with whom I spoke this week said, you know, that's something that we can deal with because of this new breakthrough with uh, this vaccine. This is a game changer uh, that because mothers now who are pregnant uh, have an opportunity to take this vaccine, we can save uh, the lives of some of these children. And this is absolutely amazing. We also had a chance to talk about uh, screen time. We all know that Kids being on screens, these portable devices uh, in excess uh, can be too much and can be unhealthy. But now we have new information that suggests that it really could cause developmental issues. Wow. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting and definitely worth uh, taking a listen to. Well, a new vaccine could stop hundreds of thousands of doctor visits for babies with RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, also known as RSV, is a major cause of babies ending up in hospitals each year. Now, the vaccine would be given to mothers near the end of their pregnancies and help protect babies for up to six months. The trial looked at more than 7,000 kids over four years and is one of the first of its kind. Joining me now to discuss it all is Dr. Leah Vinoker. Dr. Vinoker, how important is this new discovery and what could it mean for helping to save babies' lives? 
Well, I think it is substantial. Um, Babies, you know, newborn babies are susceptible uh, because their immune systems are so new and they get a lot of their immunity from their mother. That's why we give the flu vaccine to pregnant women um, because it'll protect the baby during that new uh, born period. And RSV for older, healthier kids is not so much an issue. But for these newborns and very young infants, they have a lot of serious disease and hospitalizations. As you said, 16,000 hospitalizations, 300,000 visits. So this vaccine is given at the end of pregnancy, like 32 to 36 weeks. And it was 87% effective at preventing hospitalizations in these newborns related to RSV and almost 60% effective at preventing even doctor visits. So kids just may have had a little sniffle, nothing serious during this period. Dr. Pinocchio, are you concerned though with it being so new or you're like, nope, Nick, I'm, I'm comfortable with the way this was tested and rolled out? Well, 7,000 is a bit substantial. Um, we always, you know, most drugs and vaccines get post-approval uh, following to see that there's no uh, complications. I think we're a little, you know, everyone's a little more suspicious since everything was going on with COVID. But they uh, had an RSV vaccine that was rolled out for the elderly, which are also at risk in May. And so far since that time, we haven't seen any issues with this. So I I think, you know, we're going to do post-approval marketing uh, studies on it to make sure. But, you know, the moms are passing on the immunity to the babies. So that should make it a little bit less of an issue. And Dr. Vinokur, you were also mentioned how it's important, the timing that this uh, medication is administered. Uh, what else can parents do to maybe protect their babies uh, against RSV? Well, you know, it's a virus, so there's no antibiotics for it. But, you know, in that newborn period, try and limit the amount of exposure that your newborn babies are getting. I know everyone always wants to come and visit once you've had a baby. And if you have school-aged kids, you know, the same way, it's a respiratory virus, protecting from cold and flu, keeping them away from the newborn if they have colds and sniffles and things like that, and washing hands a lot when you're touching your newborn. And then, of course, you know, this vaccine vaccine now is going to help a lot. Dr. Vinokur, one more thing I want to touch on, not talking about for people like you and me, but the young ones, these screens, I got to talk to you about, there's a debate over screen time. One new study says letting young kids use screens could cause serious developmental delays. Uh, we seem like we've heard some of this before. What's new here? Um, is that having uh, an issue, uh, you believe, for children or what's the deal? Well, this was a longitudinal study. It was done in Japan. They looked at one-year-olds. They had between one and four hours of screen time. And they saw that when they followed them at the age of two and four, that they had decreased communication skills and that they had problem-solving issues and socialization issues. But I think the problem with this study, Nick, was that it didn't say what type of screen time, right? So uh, we all know that play is children's work, and they need interactive play to advance. And sticking a kid was the screen time sticking them in front of a television that was passive for hours. That's never a good idea. There are some screen time things that are interactive programs that have play in it that parents should use with the child and participate. But I think a combination of that and making sure that they get outside with siblings and with friends and do act 
active play and use their imagination and then sprinkle in a little bit of these educational screen times and, you know, a little bit of something like television where you're interacting with the child while they're watching. Dr. Vanoker, why did I not know that you were going to say something like moderation, Nick? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Know all of one thing. Right. It's the key to life. What can we say? <laughs> I love that. Dr. Vanoker, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, the next story uh, really caused a big debate in the newsroom. We were talking about, hey, we know that employers are looking to hire. We know that right now it appears that the uh, advantage is on the side of those who are uh, the employees, that for once the employees have an opportunity to demand from the employer what we want. And it looks like now that statistics are backing that up. Folks want to get paid. Flexibility used to be uh, the biggest perk that people uh, wanted. Hey, I need to be able to do this. I need to have a little more time. And that work-life balance continues to be important. But for many, it looks like in recent months, a shift has occurred. Uh, and that even though flexibility is still high on that list, pay is moving center stage as a priority for job seekers. Uh, knowing that, you know, hey, you, I know you need workers, but guess what? I expect to be paid. So, yeah, I want my flexibility, but I also want to get paid. So they are demanding, on average, get this, seventy-five dollars to $85,000. Uh, so depending, on, of course, on the job, but they're saying that, hey, when you used to be able to just talk me into sixty-five or seventy k for a particular role, um, workers are now saying, nope, I want that ten, fifteen k bump. And in most cases, they're getting it. Joining me now is business and financial journalist Kristen Myers. Kristen, this is not a surprise to anyone who has watched the rise of inflation, but it sounds to me that those who are seeking new jobs are, are definitely feeling bolder about asking for what they want. And could it turn into a vicious cycle where higher wages then drive even more inflation? You know what? And honestly, good for all of those workers that are actually going out there and really starting to demand that some of their employers pay them a little bit more. But I think that's a really good question that you're asking about these higher wages that we have been seeing. You know, as you mentioning that reservation wage touching almost 80,000, we actually have seen employers really starting to pay those workers a little bit more. We got that inflation report just a couple of weeks ago and wages just last month actually ticked up 0.2% and they're over 2% higher than they were last year. So we are still seeing employees right now somewhat in the driver's seat, making some of these demands, knowing that employers want workers and that they're going to essentially shell out some of those bucks really to get some of those workers. But as you're mentioning, the more income that people have, the more they're going to go out and spend. And the American consumer has been spending. And as just as you're asking, will that keep inflation elevated? It absolutely will. And this is something that the Federal Reserve does not want to see right now, which is why they keep hitting us with higher and higher interest rates, really to try to slow that demand and really try to make sure that Americans stop spending so much on everything. Kristen, it is crazy that we all know we do better when, unfortunately, um, everyone isn't doing as well. And that's a ridiculous way to think. Mm -hmm. Are employers keeping up with these wage demands or are we seeing a gap between what employees want 
and what they're being offered. I, I think there's always going to be a gap, right, between what employees actually want and what employees are, are willing to either offer or actually uh, give. I think we all have anecdotal evidence of our friends or even perhaps ourselves. We go out and we try to ask for raises and our employers don't necessarily give us every little thing that we want. But again, we are absolutely seeing wages continue to tick upward and they have been over the last two years. Now we've had a really, really tight labor market. We have seen that labor market cool just a little bit. We have seen those job openings definitely decrease, but there still are jobs right now for people that want them. And there's still a lot of employers out there saying, listen, I cannot find enough workers to keep up with all of the demands that the American consumer is making right now. And so we are still seeing American um, employers really start to cave to some of those wage demands and start to give some of those employees a little bit more money. And the fact that that reservation wage, again, that wage that's kind of required to get any one person to go get a new job, the fact that it's hit this record high, I mean, we've mm -hmm. only been keeping that data for about a decade now, a little over a decade, but the fact that it's hit that highest level, I think really shows and really is evidence that those employers are absolutely willing to pay a little bit Kristen, more. Kristen, don't get upset with me, but I wanna ask you about another touchy <laughs> subject uh, around finances, and that's mm -hmm. the housing market. Experts are warning there's no such thing as a starter home anymore. Oh, I'll just get a simple starter home, and in a few years, you know, my wife and I, my partner and I, whatever, we'll buy a new home that's three bedrooms. They're saying that's not the case anymore. The average price for an entry-level home has soared to a record $243,000. What does that even mean for mm -hmm. first-time home buyers? Uh, it is painful out there. If you are out there and you're looking and you're watching this program right now, I unfortunately have nothing but bad news for you. If you're hoping that I'm going to tell you that those mortgage rates are going to go from just over 7% where they are right now to perhaps 3% where we saw them in 2021, it's not going to happen. And if you think that those home prices are going to drop from that nearly 250,000 median asking price, but again, it's a lot higher in a lot of other housing markets. If you think you're going to see a housing market crash, it is not going to happen. Unfortunately, with mortgage rates so high right now, anyone that has a home and that has a low mortgage rate, so anything under 7% at this rate, you're going to hold on to that house. You're not going to go and buy a new house. Well, what does that mean if you're trying to buy a house? means there's not a lot of houses out there that's are, that is going to be available for you, that's going to keep those housing prices high. And again, with the Federal Reserve continuing to give us these interest rate hikes, the mortgage rate is going to stay elevated. And right now, experts are predicting it's going to stay elevated into next year. So unfortunately, just bad news all around. There's no such thing as a starter home anymore. You're really going to have to get together a whole lot of cash if we're going to want to play in the housing market right now. Kristen Myers with the news we didn't want to hear, but we needed to hear. Kristen Myers, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm just going to say, before you go into your employer demanding that they, hey, you better raise my salary, I'm going to tell you uh, something that my mother told me uh, as a bit of advice that has stuck with me for years. Nicholas, never be afraid to ask for what you want, but be prepared for the answer you may not want to hear. So I would just say that if you are in a position where you plan to ask for more money and deserve that you deserve, excuse me, believe that you deserve a, a higher pay, walk in fully equipped to maybe answer the questions of uh, how you justified that increase so that uh, you can actually have something to discuss with your employer about. And even if the answer is no, 
ask them about a trajectory on when possibly we could start to see a pay increase. Uh, see if you can work out a plan and work together. My suggestion is that you don't present it as an ultimatum, but rather um, a project that the uh, company, the organization, and you can work on together so that everyone's happy. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. I, I think that is probably the best plan. I'm going to close in the mix this week with another heat-related story that I think is uh, sobering. And I'm going to say this. We've talked about before on how uh, you have to be aware uh, before you uh, get out of your car, particularly if you're a parent, uh, to remember to take that child out of the car seat. Uh, when a child is left in a vehicle, that child's temperature can rise super fast, right? We know that. And the situation can uh, become dangerous. Heat stroke is the reason why, because it begins uh, when the core body temperature reaches about 104 degrees. Now, that's what uh, health experts say. Now, a child can die when their body temperature reaches 107 degrees. And get this, according to the National Transportation Association, in 2022, 33 children died of a heat stroke because they were left in vehicles. And I started this talking about we're dealing with heat and people trying to get away on vacation and all of that. So some people are distracted. Well, the reason I bring this up is because this particular story ends with one of the best notes ever. That's because um, a dramatic rescue took place in Fayette County, Georgia, where an eight-month-old baby was accidentally locked inside the family's van. Um, this is just to be clear. Mom has a couple of other kids. One of the kids got out, locked the door. The keys were still in the car, but the baby was in the back. Mom sprang into action. The first thing she did was call 911. The second thing she did was grab an axe and tried to break the window to get to the baby. And all of this, as she's trying to rescue the baby, police arrive and it's caught on body cam. And we had an exclusive interview with the two officers who responded to the scene and helped to save that baby. Well, check out the nail-biting moments officers in Georgia ran into when they ran to the rescue as a mother frantically tried to save her baby from inside a locked car. Take a look. There's an automatic lock. Can you unlock it? Unlock it. Please, hurry. Unlock it. It's only been about 10 minutes. Okay, it's good. Okay, come on, come on. Come on, baby. Hold on, she's got to get down. Let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. I'm sorry. She's awake, she's awake, she's fine. She's fine. Come here. Come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Are you okay? Come here. Come here. Yes, 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 you're okay. There you go. Oh, I know that's scary to see, but I want you to know that mom and baby are both doing okay. EMS arrived shortly after and checked everyone out. Officers say the whole scary scene lasted only a matter of minutes and that the quick response was key to saving that child's life. Both of those heroic men joining now in a News Nation exclusive, Deputy Daniel Molina and Sergeant Brian Clayton, thank you both for joining us. We're pleased to be here. Thank you. Hey, guys, I, I just I just want to jump right into this. We're looking at that body cam footage. Uh, it's scary to see. We could see that mom was panicking, but you knew you needed to step in right away and kind of take over. What's your first thought when you get a call like this? 
Well, yeah, absolutely. And once once we received the call, you know, it's everybody on deck. And and honestly, uh, it was great to have um, Sergeant Clinton uh, with the uh, county marshals to be able to be a part of the process um, and show up uh, in such a quick amount of time. Um, and when we did arrive, it, you know, we we ran to the scene, could see that uh, Miss Davenport already had a pickaxe in her hand, uh, trying to open up her vehicle the best she could. Uh, but that's what we're here for. And and when we arrived. Uh, you know, we have to step up and, and answer the call. And uh, I believe uh, that's what we did on that day. And guys, one of the reasons we're excited to speak to you both is because more often than not, we see these end differently. We felt it was important to share uh, the positive side of something like this happening. Why did you want to speak with us? Well, this is a good example of the teamwork in our public safety community. It wasn't just the marshal's office or just the sheriff's department. Fayette County Fire Rescue was involved but also we have some other unsung heroes. The Fayette County 911 Center was instrumental in getting the information out quickly and relaying it to us so that we could respond as quickly as we could. It really started with the Fayette County 911 Center. Was this your first time having to break a window to save a child inside a car? What goes into making that split-second decision that you didn't just take the pickaxe and say, wait a minute, I'm a little stronger, I'm a guy, I can pry this open. You wasted no time. Yeah, there is a little technique. You got to hit the corner of the window with the baton in order to shatter it or else you'll be striking it for a long time. Um, so this was my first time having to break into a vehicle uh, that was uh, the vehicle was actually off uh, and not running. Um, so, you know, it's it's a dire situation. And in that moment, you know, this is what experience in law enforcement training, uh, you know, we receive uh, to be able to know in that moment, in a quick moment, to know what to do. And um, you just, you can't really think about it. You just have to make sure that priority life is number one uh, in that moment. And gentlemen, I want to be clear because those at home may not be familiar with what happened here. Uh, she has other children and it's possible someone accidentally locked the door. She did not leave the baby in the car uh, and ran into a store. Can you break down what happened for us? No, not at all. This was simply a mistake. You had a mom, two other young children getting out of the car. The keys were left in the vehicle. One of the children locked the car. The mother wasn't able to get to the baby. As soon as she realized that, she called 911. This was simply a, a mistake, an accident. Guys, you both have families. Does a happy ending like this make you think of your own kids? Absolutely. 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 In that moment, you know, you're, you're definitely, you almost see your child in that car. Um, and that's what it is for us. We're both family guys and, and, you know, we're humans just like anybody else. And we go to work and, and, uh, in this moment, you know, it's, it's about being a part of serving the community and, and whatever we can do to help, uh, we're going to, we're going to move as fast as we can, uh, to make priority life. Number one. We know that a mistake like this could happen to anyone at any time. What is the takeaway before I let you guys go? I think the takeaway is, you know, look, people make mistakes and, and in a situation like this, we have over 800 uh, keys assist calls uh, throughout the year. Um, and I believe like 70 or 80 of them are, you know, children or, or animals that get left in vehicles. Um, you know, it's just about being aware of your surroundings. And although this was an accident and, and Ms. Davenport did not mean to do this and she did everything she was supposed to do um, to uh, call us and call 911 and have us out there as soon as possible. It's just about being mindful and making sure that you're, you're uh, aware of your surroundings. And, um, you know, I think she did the right thing. And, and we're all so grateful that, that the outcome was uh, the child being OK and back in uh, her mother's arms. See, guys, not all heroes wear capes. I'm telling you, I love that. I love, love, love that. Um, so it's just a good reminder because more often than not, we hear the tragic stories. Just wanted you all to know that, hey, uh, there are uh, situations where if you act quickly, um, you can save that life. But we have to remember, check that back seat. 
and keep each other safe. So as we close out, I just want everyone to keep in mind uh, the victims who are still struggling to recover in Hawaii. Uh, take care of yourselves. Make sure you hydrate. Uh, this record heat has all of us possibly reaching uh, hotter temperatures than we ordinarily would. So stay hydrated, stay cool, keep looking out for each other, and keep sending story ideas for In The Mix. And I will see you guys next week. Don't forget, you can always watch me and my Morning in America family on News Nation weekdays starting at 6 a.m. in the East, 5 a.m. Central. Don't know where to watch us? Go to www.joinnn.com. Enter your zip code and the channel finder will show you the broadcast channel we're on in your area. And remember, we're also on all the streamers, Hulu, Roku, and YouTube TV. This is Nick Smith. And thanks so much for joining me for this edition of In The Mix with Nick Smith.